Well, thank you all so much for joining us on another episode of the Greg Rich Ministries podcast. And I'm so excited today. We have Dr. Kirk Dubois joining us. Thank you so much for joining me today. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No problem. Good to be here. Yeah. And and you were actually one of my instructors at Rama for, for several years. And I'm very thankful for the, the teachings that you had and I'm continuing to learn from you. You have so many great resources available on your website. And I want to plug that first and foremost. If you go to himhim.org, you can go find out some more, get some books. You also have some audio teachings available there, but I know you're going to be blessed. And you have a tremendous story, a great testimony and that's really where I wanted us to start today, is how did you even first and foremost come to know Jesus for yourself? Well, um, in about one month from now, it will be uh, 51 years since I uh, gave my life to Christ. I was, I was a young man, uh, very young. I won't give my age because then you do the math <laughs> and figure it out. But, but actually, I was, I was 16 years old. I was a teenager, and it was during the Jesus movement of the 70s out in the West Coast, and... Uh, I was, uh, you know, in the drugs, and I had a police record. I'd been expelled from school, and I was a ward of the state of California, uh, starting about 13 years of age because of getting busted for breaking an entry and mm. vandalizing and all that stuff, you know. And so I was, uh, you know, pretty messed up and had a probation officer and all that stuff, and uh, doing drugs. And then I got involved in the occult also, witchcraft and seances and all that kind of stuff. And so um, then I heard about this Jesus movement going on out there. So I, uh, I, I, I was raised Catholic, so I wasn't like, you know, completely ignorant of the things of God. It's just I had a very religious view of the gospel, and I didn't have any kind of personal experience with Jesus Christ. To me, he was just, you know, stained glass windows and crucifixes and all yeah. that. But um, I heard about the, this Jesus movement uh, up in, around L.A. at the time. Actually, we had a few of them when I was in I was in high school at the time, and we had a few of them on campus, and we always used to call them Jesus freaks. And uh, so, uh, that, you know that that. Uh, but you know, I, I don't know how far you want me to go on, on you know, before we take a break here. But um, that's that was setting up into how I got into this. Wow, that that's amazing! And you could be, be free. You know, we want to hear your story. And so, you know, you, you grew up in church and then you, you, I, I believe I remember if I'm remembering right, you got to this point where you were, you wanted this power, but you were looking for it in all these different areas, but it was almost like a fabrication or, or a, like a, a window into what was available, but it wasn't ever there. So kind of give us some insight into what it was like for you to look for this and then truly find true power in Jesus. Well, you know, there's a Western, a country Western song, which I am not a country Western fan, <laughs> but there's a country Western song that says looking for love in all the wrong places. But yeah. I like to say I was looking for God in all the wrong places. Yeah. I was looking in A to Z, astrology to Zen. You know, I was doing seances. Actually, a nice neighbor, Mormon neighbor lady is the one that got me into seances. And, uh, and so she actually used scripture to try to talk about, you know, try to convince us that's, that was the gifts of the spirit, but it was actually, you know, witchcraft. And so, and then I got into parapsychology and, and hip self-hypnosis. My dad was in the hypnotist. He used to hypnotize people. So he used to wow. hypnotize us as we were growing up as kids, you know, sort of like having fun. And, uh, and so I always had this awareness that there was another realm, but yet I didn't see any, anything in the church that was supernatural. It was yeah. all just, to me, dead liturgy. 
So I began to look for God in other places. And so that path led me into many weird things. You know, Buddhas had my room. My parents had brought, they hated to go in my bedroom. It looked like a sanctuary for some kind of cult or something because I had Buddhist statues, sundials, Ouija boards, pendulums, and pot plants growing in my bedroom windows. So. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I finally ended up in that witchcraft because, uh, again, I was looking for power. My, my brother and I, we'd experimented with ESP, you know, mental telepathy, and done experiments that were successful by the world standards. I mean, we, he was in the Navy at the time, stationed in New Jersey. And we would actually send messages to one another. So he'd write it down and he'd send one to me and I'd write it down. We'd compare notes. You know, so we, I knew that there was a realm out there of spiritual power. There were some things that were a little bit too scary for me. Uh, you know, astral projection. I tried getting into that, but I would always back off because it was like I didn't want to lose control. Yeah. And uh, but uh, I, that led me into witchcraft finally, you know, and uh, and the thing about witchcraft was and back in my day, 1971, it wasn't a really popular as much as it is now so it was always the you know the weirdos that were doing it so i started dabbling in that and it was a three-day a three-day initiation thing so i went through the first two days but uh the thing about it was it was very blasphemous because it was very anti-god in particularly it's very anti-catholic because they take things in the catholic church and reverse them like they say the lord's prayer backwards they have upside down crucifixes it's sort of like a slam against the, the structured church you know and so uh i didn't go through with it because i thought you know this is like this this sort of looks like their god is their enemy and i was trying to find god you know so i just backed out of that then i got to the point where i said well you know what it must be that whatever i believe hard enough will work for me Mm. and uh you know that's really the apex of every human humanistic religion there is is man's attempt to do it on his way to reach god fails you know started with fig leaves in the garden with adam and eve right it doesn't cover our sin and shame and so i uh i got to the point where i thought i'll just try to believe in something hard enough and that'll work for me and that didn't work and then that's about the time i heard about these jesus freaks that were hitting the roads and streets and stuff in california and uh in march i'm actually february 9th of 1971 there was a huge earthquake in california i think it was like 7.1 or 7.2 and it caused a lot of damage. I think there were 69, 70 somewhat people killed. Freeways had collapsed, buildings and all that. I remember that when that happened. And I was sitting at the table, the dinner table with my parents in San Diego there. And uh, the whole house felt like it was going to fall down on us. And it scared the fire out of me. Mm-hmm. And about that time, it's like God was working on me. Because about that time, somebody gave me a track, you know, talking about this was your life. And then I saw, you know, this guy going to hell at the end. And, uh, and so that scared the, you know, what out of me. And so um, I, uh, you know, uh, about that time also, I had a, a couple of different supernatural experiences. Of course, I had, I had some manifestations of demonic stuff in my room at night because of the drugs and stuff. And, and then one night I woke up and out of my mouth, I was saying these words, God is coming back soon. Hmm. And that freaked me out. Now, mind you, I was raised Catholic. So I went to catechism, communion, all that stuff. So I was a good Catholic. So every night I would say my prayers for fire insurance. Yeah. You know, <laughs> should I die before I wake, I pray my, the Lord my soul to take him, just in case, right? But, you know, that was like fire insurance. But I was scared out of my mind when I had these experiences. And then waking up and saying this, it's like I knew I wasn't right. And then, uh, uh, so then this earthquake hits, you know, and all this stuff got, got me thinking. Now, I don't know if I'm able to share a screen. I want to show you a, the actual picture of the newspaper. 
that I ran across these Jesus freaks were passing out on the uh, school campus. Can you see that? I can. Wow. Um, this was um, this paper right here. See this Hollywood free paper? Yeah. This was what these Jesus freaks were passing out on the beaches of California with all these young people getting saved and coming to Christ. So this one here came into my hands and on the front cover, it had this picture of this crack in the ground and, and all these things about Jesus is coming back soon and all this. And so I, I, I really got interested. I took that home with me and read all these articles about, you know, end times and Jesus coming. And, and in the back of that magazine was a, uh, a list of uh, houses around the city of San Diego that where these Jesus freaks met. So uh, I kept the paper. That was, that was, uh, February 9th is when the earthquake hit, and this paper came out shortly after that. And, uh, and so then I had this dream, and these tracks were coming across my, my, uh, my, my path. And so, I, so then a, an opportunity came up to go out and buy a bunch of drugs. So we were going to go buy a bunch of LSD up in Laguna Beach, which is up the road from San Diego on Highway 1 there on the coast. And so we hit, we took a, a Volkswagen bug, five of us crammed into a Volkswagen bug to go up to Laguna Beach. We we're going to buy a bunch of LSD and take it back to San Diego and sell it. And uh, so um, the night before I prayed and I said, God, if these Jesus people are real, um, have somebody talk to me when I'm up there. And so, um, so I actually took a New Testament with me, like a Gideon New Testament, stuck it in my pocket while we went up there to buy drugs. So we go sit down at this uh, at this um, Taco Bell. It was there in those days, and it was like the big drug center of Laguna Beach. There was hundreds of young people hanging around just buying and selling drugs. So I sat down on the curb there at the parking lot with my two friends, while the other two went off to get with the pusher, you know, to get the drugs. And while I'm sitting there um, on the uh, sidewalk, I'm looking across parking lot and there's this little Mexican man with a suit and ties passing up this stuff and talking to people then it's like the crowd just parted and he comes straight up to me he kneels down squats down next to me and he starts sharing the gospel with me he's reading a track and uh and that's like my heart just was strangely warmed you know and then he yeah. says do you want to pray I didn't say yes because my friends were sitting next to me and they didn't want to say no because it's like this is what I was looking for so he just grabbed my hands and he began to pray. I don't know what he, remember what he prayed, but all I know is I felt this warm peace, like Brother Hagin used to say, like warm honey. You know, yeah. felt like this peace just went from the top of my head, worked all the way through my body to the tip of my toes. And then he left and was talking to other people. Our friends came back with the drugs. We got in the Volkswagen and we headed back down to San Diego. And so we, two, friend, another guy and myself planned on, on, on camping on the beach that night. So they let us off at Torrey Pines Golf Course. I don't know. It's a famous golf course. If you guys golf, you know what it is. And so we walked through the golf course and we had to climb down the cliffs to get to the beach down below. And now I, in the car, I'd taken like four times as much more LSD than I'd ever had. Uh, normally, I would take just a small bit. I took two whole capsules, uh, two whole tablets of this stuff. We were going to sample the merchandise before we sold it, right? And my friend took the same. And as we're walking through that golf course to head down to the beach, you know, he's acting crazier and crazier, and I'm not feeling anything. I'm thinking either he's faking it or something is really wrong here. But the only thing I felt was the peace that that guy prayed hmm. that never left me. And I never got high on the drugs. And, uh, and so... <laughs> 
So I'm camping on the beach that night. I pull out the Bible while the sun's going down over the West Coast. I'm pulling out the New Testament. I don't remember what I read. I, I, I was just looking through it. I think I looked at Revelations, which is probably not a great idea, <laughs> but especially on when you're, you know, drugs. But I, I actually didn't feel any drugs. But all I knew in my heart, I said, I'm going to find those Jesus people and I'm going to give my life to the Lord. Hmm. So then I got back home and uh, that the next two weeks, it's like the enemy, the, the devil knew what was going on. And I had more drugs offered to me, more party and more women, all that stuff was going on those last two weeks. And uh, I guess like he was, he knew that I was, he was about ready to lose me. So one day I decided I'm going to go to, I'm going to go after school. I'm going to go see these Jesus freaks. And my good friend was going to go with me, but that one of my other friends came up to me and he was overdosing on, on some kind of reds, downers, you know, and they, they were afraid he was going to die. So another guy was flipping out on LSD. So we ended up at my parents' house because they both were working. They were gone all day. And I had a house full of kids that were all stoned out of their heads. <laughs> trying to keep this one guy alive by putting coffee down and walking around. Don't go to sleep. You know, and this other guy's freaking out. And I was going through that for a while. And I, I looked around and I saw this zoo. And I said, you know what? I don't care who dies tomorrow. I am going to go to that place and give my life to Christ. I went into my bedroom, I got all my drug paraphernalia, my pipes, my dope, my stash, and I went out and I threw it out the door, and, and all of my friends ran out the door fighting over each other to get to the stuff I threw out. I thought, man, I am done with this. So the next day, my friend and I, we hitchhiked after school to that place, and in there, there was three guys. I, I always say two hippies and a redneck, but, you know, I don't know. <laughs> he was really a redneck, but I mean, you know. One was short hair and the other had long hair. So in my, in my day, everybody was short hair with a redman. But, but uh, you know, they're there come from the drug culture and everything else, and yet they were living in this house, and they're ministering to all these people like myself. And so they, they led me to the Lord. You know, they, they're like trying to read the scriptures to me, like the Roman road to salvation, you know. And that's like I'm telling you, I don't need to be convinced. Just what do I need to do? Just tell me how to get my life to yeah. Christ. You know? So I got saved. Now, um let me just share something again if I can. Yeah. Um, so here's a picture of this is me on the right. I don't know if you can see it or not. Yeah, I can see it. Wow. That's me on the right. Uh, uh, this here. And the guy up to my left is one of the guys that led me to the Lord. And uh, he's now in heaven. He was a biker, drugger, and all that. And uh, so he's one of the guys that led me to the Lord. And, uh, and so I got saved. And then two weeks later, we got baptized in the ocean. You know, they took us down to yeah. La Jolla Cove, baptized us. And then that, that after I came out of the water, somebody said, have you been baptized in the Holy Ghost? I said, no, what's that? I said, is that what we just did? They said, no, this is something different. I said, well, I want that too. So we went back to that same house that night with this guy and two other guys. And they laid hands on us and my, my brother and a friend and myself and immediately the two of them got speaking in tongues and when they came to me nothing happened hmm. except that i felt really hot and they took their hands off me because they said the hot i was so hot with the fire of god but i didn't speak in tongues and because i didn't know what to do i was you know all analytical so yeah it was about two weeks later when i wasn't thinking about it i was in my bedroom praying and i like to say i got my tongue tongled <laughs> you know I, my tongue was over my eye teeth so i couldn't see what i was saying 
when I started slurring my words, I thought, what is going on? I can't talk. And then I realized, oh, this is the Holy Ghost. So I began to yield to it and, and that began to flow through me. So from that point on, I, uh, I was, you know, fully filled with the Holy Ghost. This happens to be in 1972, the year after I was saved, the Explo 72 was a Jesus explosion in Dallas, Texas. Wow. There was, a, a, I don't remember how many hundred thousand young people there from all over the country. There were bands all day, you know, uh, love song, different Christian bands. And uh, Billy Graham was one of the keynote speakers and Bill Bright from Campus Crusade. We'd all go out during the day and witness. And at night we'd, we'd hear speakers and, you know, Billy Graham was one of those uh, uh, wow. keynote speakers. So those are just some memories. And of course, the Jesus music that came out in those days and all that. But uh, that's how I got uh, into the, into the Jesus movement. I, I found the Lord and, you know, we were just, we didn't know a lot of theology. We just knew that Jesus loved us and he wanted to save us and baptize us and heal us and fill us. And yeah. So we just, if it was in the Bible, we were just dumb enough to believe it. Yeah. And that's that's an amazing story. And I think that there's people even listening who can relate and maybe they're not addicted to drugs, but maybe there's something else in their life that has really just consumed them, whether it's alcohol, whether it's pornography, whether it's a relationship they shouldn't be involved in. There's people here who know that they shouldn't be involved in what they're currently involved in. And so I just want to ask you, you know, if you're, they find themselves in this situation, what's something that they can do? when they know this isn't right, but they don't know how to get out, what's something that they can do even now? So let me just preface it by saying this. So I came out of that background. I get radically yeah. saved. It was two years before I ever landed in a church. I mean, I'd go to different church meetings. Yeah. But uh, when the Jesus movement started ending, then the Lord put me in a Southern Baptist church because I needed to get some basic grounding and basic Bible truths, right? So I was on fire for God. I come into this church situation and then all of a sudden I'm in like, I landed on a different planet <laughs> because I'm in a culture now that I don't understand because I, all I know is I radically got saved and I love Jesus. And now I'm finding people, they claim to be Christians, but they're going and they're sleeping with one another, smoking in the parking lot, doing drugs. And, and they're acting no different than what I was before I was saved. And I'm thinking, well, what's going on here? This is a this is a different planet than yeah. I'm used to because I'm I'm used to people like myself that got fired up and came out of that mess. So then I had learned that there was a church culture out there of people that were raised around this stuff all their life and and did not have a real connection with God. Yeah. And so the first the first thing I would say to people that are, you know, in this condition because you know what I've seen in recent years is our word of faith kids are in that same boat. Yeah. Yeah. We have a couple of generations of word of faith kids that have been raised in a tradition, but have not had that personal encounter with God themselves. Yeah. Now I have to say this, you don't need to come out of all that garbage like I did to have an encounter with God. Yeah. Matter of fact, I say this, you know, my testimony is great for me, but I don't want my children having my testimony. Yeah. I want my children, and I don't want my grandchildren having that testimony. I want them to have the testimony that says they serve God all their lives. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. But so you don't have to come out of a background like myself, but some people are living in church all their life, going through the motions of religion, but they have no relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that would be the first place I would check is to find out what kind of a relationship with Christ do you have? Is it religion? Is it head knowledge? Is it 
Is it just because your mommy and daddy did it? Is it because, you know, your friends are doing it? Or have you had an encounter with Jesus yeah. Christ? Because, I mean, he's real to me. He's not a religion. I didn't become a Christian and get religion. I had an encounter with a person, Jesus Christ, and he is Lord, and he changed my life. Yeah. And that's, you know, nothing ever takes away from that, though you you grow and you, you know, we all grow up and go through things in life and that. But when you have that connection, you never lose that. No matter, even if you, you know, have issues and struggles and every believer goes through troubles and trials and tribulations and struggles. But when you have that connection, you know, that stays with you, even when you, you know, mess up. So the, so you got to decide, okay, first of all, is your relationship with God real? Yeah. That's where you need to start. If you're just being religious because someone you just raised in church and doing going through the motions, you need to have an encounter with God. You need to find out that Jesus is real. Because one day your knees are going to bow and your tongue is going to confess that he is Lord. And yeah. you better do it in this life instead of wait till that day when you're before the judgment seat. And so you need to have an encounter that he is Lord now. That this is not religion we're doing. This is not a denominational trip or a club or uh, you know a social fad this he is lord and when the heaven and earth pass away he still remains and you will answer to him and, and that has always been with me so that would be the first thing to say make sure you have a relationship with him and then you know you've got christians that get caught up in the stuff because of uh, losing their focus on who they are in christ sometimes you know uh, there's different factors for that you know people get hurt they get unforgiving. Yeah, unforgiveness yeah. is one of the biggest things that causes Christians to stumble and get into sin. You hold grudges because somebody hurt you, and you, you know, that is that is an escalator down. That's not going up. I mean, that's that's an escalator down into defeat and a life of, you know, the devil taking advantage yeah. of you. So there's there's offense, you know, getting offended and unforgiving and that kind of stuff. Just it, it's not worth it, you know. It's not worth it to, to, yeah. to let someone else's problem take you down. You need to throw that overboard. And then, you know, you got to watch the people you hang with, too. Yeah. You know, I, when I got saved, because I was radically saved, I pretty much alienated all my former friends because they yeah. thought I was, I was another Jesus freak. Yeah. And so it wasn't hard for me to get a new set of friends with the same values I had. But see, it's difficult when you're raised in a church and the people in the church have the values of the world. And it's hard to separate in your mind what's real and what's not. Yeah. So you have to make some hard choices sometimes and cut off relationships, friendships that are doing you more harm than they are good. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think even for myself, I grew up in church my whole life. And so I learned how to play the game of religion where you know how you're supposed to act when you're around a certain group of people. But then you do get into that place where you're questioning, is this real or am I just playing along? Am I an, a great actor in this this great movie of life? You know, what's real and what's not? And then, you know, having that, like you said, that personal encounter with Jesus where that it's it's I believe it's almost like an anchor for your soul, no matter what, no one can take that away from you when you encounter Jesus personally for yourself. And be even beyond that, now also not only having been saved and accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, but now accepting the Holy Spirit into our lives and being filled with the Holy Spirit is a huge part of everything. And Absolutely. so 
you know, I, you shared your story about what it was like for you to get filled. And, you know, I was on a mission trip with you. I went to Zambia and I think it was 2014, if I'm remembering right. And when we were there, we were going out on the streets and we were praying for people. We were seeing people get healed. We, I believe we even went into a hospital there. There was was people get, yeah, it was, it was like, it was a, a shock to the mind and to the senses but you saw like there's natural needs here. There's people that need healing, that need this Jesus that we have. But yeah, I, I saw that you not only place an emphasis on praying for people to get healed and praying uh, with people to get receive salvation, but also to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want Amen. you, if you can, just share a little bit about why it's important for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So uh, I mentioned that the first thing is make sure your relationship with God is yeah. real, that you're not just being religious. But now the second thing is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because, you know, those Baptist kids that I ran into in that church that were, you know, going through these rededicate, they would re- wear out their rededicators every time an evangelist yeah. would come through. They go to the altar to repent. Yeah. And I didn't understand that whole scenario. But you know what changed it for each of those guys? Is we used to take them to the charismatic meetings and get them filled with the Holy Ghost and they'd come back. A lot of parents were getting upset with us because these are Baptist parents and their and their kids are coming home speaking in tongues. But you know what? A lot of those parents got filled with the spirit over the years too. Yeah. And so that was that was another thing that, that made the difference between just being religious and being on fire for God is they had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And of course he gives us the power to be a witness, which means to live for him and to show forth his life. So that's the next step is being filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, that separates just being religious from being on fire. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, like I said, when they prayed for me to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, I, I was fortunate that I didn't have any preconceived, um, you know, denominational ideas. They just said, hey, this is this is something that's in the Bible. They showed me it in the scripture. And I said, well, I want that, too. And so with me now, you know, my brother and my best friend uh, and myself, we were all prayed for together. But they got it instantly. One of them got it right when they laid hands on the other one, got it before they even got to him. They just started speaking in tongues. Very supernatural experience. And I'm just waiting there because I didn't know what to expect. I thought the Holy Spirit was going to fly in like a dove from the window and grab my tongue and wag it. You know, I had no idea what to expect because I was a very think- analytical thinking person. I still am, you know. And so uh, I had to learn that the Holy Spirit is not. Uh, he's not a mind. He's a spirit. He, he works through our yeah. spirit. And so that's, he had to sneak up on me literally when I was praying, I was praying about other things. And then all of a sudden, you know, my, my tongue started messing, getting tangled up. I realized something's trying to come out, you know, I, so I yielded to it and that language began to come out a little bit at first. And then it just began to flow like a river. Uh, but I, so I learned a lesson that, you know, I had to learn how to yield and, and, and to operate in things of the spirit, you have to learn the difference between you operating in your mind and operating out of your heart from your spirit. Yeah. And I think it's so important for us, especially, you know, if you've been prayed for and you believe, you know, someone's been praying for you to receive the Holy Spirit and you feel like maybe I'm starting this thing out and I'm not really sure. I'm just like, feel like I'm doing gibberish. Something I always told people is, you know, when you come out as a baby, you don't come out speaking full words. Sometimes (laughs) it's just muttering. It just sounds like a noise, but that doesn't mean you're not doing it and just continue operating in it. And, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you today 
is, you know, as we're going out, there's people that are listening. Some of them have been saved for a long time. Some of them are, are brand new Christians. But, you know, there comes a point where it's like, okay, I've been saved. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. But now I want to figure out how can I share this with other people? And some people don't even really know how to explain what we're talking about. So if I'm, you know, there's someone in my family that's not filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe they're trapped in religion, but I want them to have this power. I want to see them on fire with God. What's a way that I can present that to them that's uh, an approachable way to really explain what that means? Well, you know, there are different methods. However, I would say that the number one thing is love. Yeah. When your motivation is compassion because you want to help them, then, then you're going to find a way to speak into their lives. Sometimes, you know, I've taken people in a situation when I'm just sharing with them and I'll just say, can I pray for you? I'll grab their hands, put my hand on their shoulder and just pray, Lord, just touch them now with your presence. And just trust the Holy Spirit to flow through you. And many, many, many times they'll go like, you know, they go, wow, you know, or they'll cry, they'll start crying, or they'll yeah. have them fall out in the spirit. They didn't know what it was, you know. And and so you could just trust God, just touch them, Lord, and then they get hungry, and then you can begin to share with them once they come encounter. A lot of times, uh, I'll I'll pray for somebody that needs healing. You know, if I'm witnessing to somebody, or whatever, I don't even. I approach them about, you know, trying to talk to them about the four spiritual laws or whatever. Yeah. I'll just say, look, you know, do you have a need in your body? Or sometimes a word of knowledge will come and I'll tell them, you know, something. But at any rate, you, once you let God touch them, that just opens up the door. And then you can say, look, you know, you can lead them to Christ if they need Christ. If they're, if they're Christians, but they just need power, say, you know, just go through a few scriptures with them. Show them, I like to use Luke 11, uh, 11, where he talks about how much more your heavenly father will give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him. It goes through that, that, you know, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find and so forth. You know, if you ask for a, you ask your father for a, if your son asks you for a piece of bread, you're not going to give him a rock. If he asks for an egg, you're not going to give him a scorpion. And if he asks for a fish, you're not going to give him a snake. So how much more your heavenly father will give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? But you don't have to be afraid. God is not going to allow the devil to give you something when you're asking God for the Holy Spirit to be full, to fill your life. And then, uh, and then I always like to point him to the, the four Gospels, the three in particular, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that say Jesus is the one that will baptize with the Holy Ghost. Actually, John mentions the same. And, and, that it's, and Jesus, you know, said that to wait until you're clothed with power from on high in Luke. And then Acts chapter 1. He talks about, again, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so he was preparing them for this experience. And then, and then when it happened on the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as he gave them utterance. So I always say this, the supernatural part of the speaking in tongues is not the volume, the emotion. It's the words. Yeah. Words are supernatural vehicles to communicate. When I'm talking right now, I'm forming words to communicate a thought. And when you're speaking in tongues, the Holy Ghost is giving you words because they carry communication in the spirit to God, the father, and you don't, it doesn't originate in your mind. So people that are very analytical, I find, I find there's two things that I've, that I've found that are, that cause people have a hard time to receive two things that I've found main ones. One is that they have, you could say three unbelief obviously if you don't believe you're not going to receive this you might as well not even pray for somebody unless they're willing to at least trust god 
Yeah. But the, the, the big one is unforgiveness, you know, uh, and the other one is being too analytical, trying to think it through. When, okay, unforgiveness, you can take care of by just, you know, whatever it is, you're, you need to just let it go because that'll hinder you from all the blessings of God. Healing, baptism of the spirit, anything that God wants, you got to get rid of unforgiveness. But the second one, you know, the, the analytical mind is there's nothing wrong with an analytical mind, but you got to realize that your mind is not king. Jesus is king and the Holy Spirit reigns in your spirit. And so you've got to learn to yield your mind. And not you, when you pray in tongues, it doesn't come out of your mind. You're not yeah. thinking about what you're going to say. So, for instance, I'll do a little demonstration with the students, and I'll say, oh, so I might ask somebody, tell me about your car. So then they begin to say, you know, I'll say, well, well, tell me about your car. What kind is it? What color is it? What, you know, give me some information about your car. And they'll begin to tell me this story about their car. One guy went off on how he got the car, how God led him to get by this particular car. Okay, so then I, after he's all done, I said, now, did you think ahead of time about all the sent sentences and paragraphs that you just told me? No, you did not think about what you were going to say. You had a thought and you opened your mouth and it just came out, it came out from your mind and the information was there and it just flowed out. But you didn't plan exactly how you were going to let, you didn't think four paragraphs ahead of what you're going to say. You just take a thought and you open your mouth and then your mind supplies the, the information. So in the same way, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, that when I pray in the spirit, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful or non-productive, meaning your mind is not creating it. Your mind is only a bystander and is not even participating in what's happening. Therefore, your mind will think, what is this crazy sound that's coming out of me? It sounds like gibberish. But your spirit is the one that's speaking, and you're not thinking four paragraphs ahead of how it's going to sound. You open your mouth, and you begin to start speaking, and it just flows and flows because it's coming out of your spirit, and the Holy Ghost knows what he's trying to say, and he's just giving you the words. Hmm. And so uh, if, if I get some people that are very analytical, and I can get them to see that, I say, no, I'm going to lay hands on you. When I lay hands on you, I don't want you to think. I don't want you to talk in English. I want you to open your mouth and just start speaking. The first thing that comes out, the, the sound that comes out, just start speaking it and quit. Don't even think about it. Do it. And I, I, a lot of times I'll just lay hands on them before they can think. No. I'm going to lay hands on you. One, two, three, boom. And then I say nine out of ten times, they just start speaking like that. And, you know, most, most of the times, you know, we'll get 100% filled with the Spirit. If I get one or two that I... You know, usually there's like one, if I don't get them all filled with the Spirit, there's maybe one that, that doesn't get it because he's, you see, he's sitting there trying to figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah. If I can get them past that, and, and once it comes out, then they go, oh, you know, and then I teach them, okay, now, now that you've spoken tongues, let's stop. Now, start again. Let's do it again, all together. Now, stop. I want you to see that now you can control it. You can start it and stop it at any time. People say, well, what about, you know, I thought you can only speak in tongues when the spirit comes upon you. If that's the case, then 1 Corinthians 14, we need to rip it out of the Bible because there's no need for it. Because Paul was telling us the right way and the wrong way to do it. And if we had did not have control over it, then that chapter is obsolete. Yeah. But we have control over it. That's Hallelujah. so good. And I, I, I truly believe that there is a generation that is hungry 
to not only hear about God, but to experience him. And I think that one of the things that, you know, my generation and the generation behind me needs to do is fall in love with praying in the spirit again. You You know, know, people say, and they're always the people that don't speak in tongues, right? Yeah. Tongues is the least of the gifts. First of all, I haven't found that in the scriptures anywhere. Yeah. But I did find that tongues is the only gift that God gives us that edifies or builds us up. Yeah. All the other gifts are to help other people. So tongues was given for us to minister to us. And it's even able, we're able through interpretation, which is another subject, we can help other people. But primarily, it's for us. You read 1 Corinthians 14, it says that we're blessing in the Spirit, we're giving thanks in the Spirit, we're speaking mysteries in the Spirit, and we're praying in the Spirit. And we're blessing with the Spirit. These are all things that we do when we pray in tongues. Tongues is not the least of the gifts. It's the one that God gave for you, and it's the doorway into all the other manifestations. Because when you learn to yield and pray in the Spirit, and the more you pray in the Spirit, it it causes you to be sensitized to the realm of the Holy Spirit, where you can begin to now recognize a word of knowledge or a prophetic utterance or a word of wisdom or discerning of spirits or one of those things. Now, I'll give you a quick testimony. This happened when my, my youngest daughter was just learning to drive. And uh, so it's been quite a while ago. But, but so she just got her car. She just got her license. She was learning to drive. And uh, so it was something like Mother's Day or I can't remember my wife's birthday. But we had to go to Walmart and buy our, our card or whatever it was. can't remember. So she goes, can I take my car and I'll meet you there? I said, yeah. So now back up. That was like on a Monday or something. So several days prior to that, the Lord put it on my heart. You need to spend about four hours praying in tongues. Well, normally I don't say that because then people think, well, I got to pray four hours before I get yeah. right through. It's like, no, no, no. I just pray however long you want. But I, what I did was I didn't have four hours at one time. So I broke it up. I spent like an hour one night, two hours the next night, an hour the next night, whatever. I broke it up over about three or four days. And I felt like I was an assignment for me to do. Once I was done, I didn't see no angels. The earth didn't shake. Fire didn't come from fire, you know, whatever. But I just knew that I had accomplished something in the spirit. And one of the benefits, that wasn't the, that wasn't the main thing, but one of the benefits was, see, now fast forward, we're going to the store to buy a card. She takes her card. I take my card. We go into Walmart. As we, we were checking out together, she checks out first and she starts, she says, I'll see you at home. She heads out the door. I get my stuff and I start walking out the exit. And as soon as I did, the Holy Spirit said, find your daughter. I'll call her name, find her. And I looked up and I saw her car in the parking lot and I saw her in the car and there was a guy, a man standing by her door window. Now she's like 16 years old. And so I got in my car and I drove over to where she was at. I pulled right in front of her with my headlights on with the engine running and looking. And that guy was standing there and he looked at me and he walked away. So then I got out of the car and I said, what was going on? She says, I don't know. But as soon as I left the store, something told me to run in the car. And I ran into my car and locked the door. And as soon as I looked up, there was a man looking at my window. Hmm. And then she cracked her window down and he's asking her for directions somewhere, like, you know, some kind of lame thing. So, you know, one of the things that spending that time praying in the spirit did for me, it made me sensitive to the Holy yeah. Spirit when he said, go find your daughter. Now, had I been all caught up in natural stuff, you know, maybe I was busy with TV program or this, that, I might have missed it. Yeah. I don't know. You know, that could have been a, actually 
it was just a couple of months later in that same parking lot, there was a girl that was abducted. So, you know, that's just one of many, many, many stories. Yeah. By praying in the Holy Ghost, you are giving yourself an inside edge into the realm of the unseen, the realm where the miracles happen, the realm where faith works, the realm where God creates things and provides things, downloads direction for your life. Hallelujah. That's so good. And, and you know, we're, we're wrapping up our time here. But before we do, I just feel like it, it would be wrong of us not to give people the opportunity who are listening at this time who are saying, listen, I know Jesus is real. I love Jesus. I've accepted him into my heart, but I've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. So, Kirk, if you don't mind, I'd love for you just to give the invitation for people to receive the Holy Spirit and be baptized. In that Amen. Way. First of all, I want to say, if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, yeah. he is Lord. Yeah. And I want you to say, God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. He came and he died and he rose again. He paid the price for my sins. And I confess that he is my Lord. And now I ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus that all of those that are hungry for the touch of the Holy Spirit that have not been filled, or maybe they were a long time ago and not have had a full release. Right now, I release your power upon them in the name of Jesus. Touch them now, even now. See, God, there's no distance or time with God. He is before and after all time. He created time. So he's already in your future. So no matter when this is recorded, if you're hearing it, it's now for you. Yeah. And that means the Holy Ghost is present to heal, to deliver, and to fill you right now. So in the name of Jesus, if you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, lift your hands up right now. Mm. And in the name of Jesus, right now, begin to open your mouth and begin to speak in the utterance that the Holy Ghost gives. Not what you think about, not in your own native language, but speak in the tongue of the Holy Ghost right now. In Jesus' name, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. <laughs> begin to praise him and thank him. Yes. In Jesus' name, glory be to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I tell you what, and you can start it and stop it at any time because it's a gift that he's given you. Yeah. And it's a prayer language. Read First Corinthians chapter 14. Yeah. And, uh, there's lots of good resources out there too. Yes. And, and I just encourage everybody. I believe there's people listening, you know, even now, no matter when you listen, as you prayed the prayer, as you received the gift of the Holy Spirit, I encourage you just to continue to speak, no matter what it sounds like. Maybe you heard us and you said, oh, I'm, maybe I'm not fluent like that. That's okay. Like Brother Kirk was saying, don't get into your mind. Let it come out of your heart. Speak it out. Be free. And God is going to, not only as you're doing it, are you edifying yourself? But like he said, you are making yourself more sensitive to God's voice, to his leadings. And you're going to start seeing some new supernatural things occurring in your life. And you're going to recognize it into a greater measure. So I'm so excited for this generation, for all of you that are listening and I believe that God is doing something in your life and working. But, you know, Brother Kirk, I wanted to to also give people the opportunity to find out more about you. And again, like we said at the beginning, you can go to him.org 
you have some great books available. I believe one of the books is in his, in his name. And then there's also through the blood and through the flood, leaving your past behind. And uh, there it is. So if you're watching, it's HIM.org. And then you also have free resources as well. You have podcasts. It's available on Kindle. So we encourage you to not only go and listen and buy the books, but also partner with them if that is on your heart. Because I know that he's doing some amazing things. And Girk, you actually did. I wanted to, to have you share this. And we kind of got past it. But you did some things in Arabic. Is that correct? So, yeah, for about three years, we had an Arabic TV program. I've actually done some several broadcasts in Farsi for Iran uh, with another uh, spirit-filled Iranian brother who's also a Raymond graduate. And so we did several, uh, several different programs in Farsi and reached into Iran to the underground church. And uh, we did another Egyptian brother and myself. We did three years of uh, a program called Divine um, Love, which was translated into Arabic. And it went all over the Middle East. We were on about two or three different Arabic networks. And then that came to an end. And right now that same brother is doing a YouTube broadcast. And so uh, he's had me on a couple of times and, and uh, wants me to do some more with him because he's reaching actually just on his YouTube is 40, 40, 50, 60,000 people in Arabic countries, Muslims. Wow. And so it's, it's, it's quite an awesome thing. That's awesome. And you also have some of your books that have been translated into Spanish. And we have yes. a lot of people from Brazil listening. So I want to just go ahead and put in the request, if we can, get you to put some of your material in Portuguese. I'm trying. So really. can... <laughs> I've been talking to the... some people. So, hey, if you got connections, get me hooked yeah. up. Here. <laughs> we will. But, uh, yeah. yeah, we got... Uh, uh, through the Blood and Through the Flood is in uh, Spanish. In My Name is in Spanish. And it's also on Audible uh, in Spanish. Both of those books are on Audible in Spanish and, wow. and Kindle in Spanish also. That's and then awesome. there are several other languages around the world too. But yes, I, I, Portuguese is on the radar. So if you got some connections, hit me up. Well, guys, I want to thank you so much for listening today. And Brother Kirk, thank you again. And one last time, HIM.org. Go find out some more materials, listen to the free resources, and then also purchase and get involved with their ministry because they are not only reaching the U.S., but all around the world. So again, Brother Kirk, thank you for joining us today. Thank you.